If you're listening to this podcast on an Android, you should check out the Podcast Republic app. It's available on the Google Play Store and has thousands of great reviews. So it's not just me telling you it's good. It's many people out there. You favorite your favorite shows. They download when they post new episodes and you get to listen to your shows like Dissecting the 80s that simply. So check out the Podcast Republic app on the Google Play Store. Welcome to Dissecting the 80s. I am Trip Lano, one half of the Mega Podcasting Powers. And with me, as always, is a man who, until about two hours ago, didn't know what a crossover television event was. The Macho Mandrew. Andrew Lano. And I don't think my perception was, like, far off. I just, just I didn't know it was going to be two episodes. I thought it was like, oh, we're going to throw Jessica into this show, or we're going to throw Magnum into the Jessica show. But that is what it is. But you thought it was one episode. Yeah, I thought it was going to be like, oh, Jessica's going to appear in an episode of Magnum P.I., and that's it. Yeah, I, I don't I don't want to just drag on you, but I did ask some people at my office, and even the young people who don't know anything were like, yeah, that's like, you know, the two connected episodes on different shows. So maybe this is just a hole in your knowledge. Maybe. Anyway, inspired by the finale Actually, of you know Marvel. what? I'm pretty sure it's because I remember. <laughs> oh, so- boy. I think Disney Channel only ever did them as, like, long episodes, and they would ah, call them one thing. They would be like, I combine see. the two titles into one, and it would air as, like, one long thing. That's sure, what I was sure. thinking of. This is Xenon Girl of the 21st Century and also a wizard. That is a movie, place. not a TV show. <laughs> and a Brink. Brink, boy of the 21st century. Also the 13th Brink. Yes. Uh, anyway, inspired by the conclusion of the crossover event of this century is we it a went conclusion? to a, well, or is this the conclusion of, of our interest i i swear to god if there is no finality of this movie i'm going to literally scream in the theater there has to be some finale i don't i don't here's what i here's what i hope really sincerely with this marvel movie is like for the people it's like all me, a snow globe of an autistic child no 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 i hope that the movie ends for people like me, who will then leave the theater to go use the bathroom because it's been three hours since I've been able to pee. Although, I'll probably have to sneak out halfway through for a quick, uh, you know, battle scene pee. And also, 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 if you're one of these people out there being like, me, 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 well, you can't go three hours without peeing, you don't drink enough water, person who says I can this. go three hours without peeing during a movie. Then you don't drink enough water. That's not you true. You should drink more water. Patently untrue. You are not hydrating well enough if you're not Just wait for Scarlet Witch and Vision to, like, talk about their relationship. You'll have a, f- a solid five minutes of no, things I no one gives a shit about. No, I when they punch each other. That's the things I don't care. Once they start punching each other, I'm like, oh, great. I time for me to pee. Oh, see, I want to see fight choreo. I like cool no. fight choreo. It just looks like toys banging into each other. Some three-year-old being like, Iron Man, pew, 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 pew. That's no, all. there's choreography involved. It's it's never been my favorite part of any of these movies is the fight stuff. So I go pee when they fight. But I hope that they – so the movie ends. We start the credits. I go pee and I go home. And then for all the other people, they can do their little stinger 37 extra scenes. And this time they can be like, oh, they're not actually dead. We're going to do nine more movies. But I won't care because I got the book to close and the fact that they put in like a – Hey, there's one more page back here. I'm, I'm like actively closing the book. They're like, hey, wait, one more. And I leave. And I'm like, that's that's a book that I finished and I don't have to read it ever again. Goodbye. 22 movies. I know. 22 movies. I didn't it's watch all 22. Season of te- it's an actual season of television. 
but longer because movies are longer than TV shows. Right, but every every movie is is an episode basically. Yeah, I haven't watched all 22 though. The only one I haven't watched is is Captain Marvel and I just like I I cannot. I just can't care. So I haven't seen Captain Marvel. I haven't seen the second Thor. I haven't seen Iron Man 2. I haven't seen the first the Hulk one that that counts for this one. It it does somehow count, yes. Um Wait, have I? There's no way I've seen 17 of these friggin' movies. I think they're probably. I mean, did you see? So I saw Cap. I saw Captain America: Winter Solstice, and then okay. I saw Captain America. I cannot believe. I cannot believe we're doing this on a podcast. I'm sorry. I just. I, I need. To, we yeah, can edit this. I just, out. I just need to know. I'm sorry. So all three caps, and then I saw. I'm gonna speed this up. It's just gonna be like, and it's gonna be like, okay, so I saw this many. Can I take a brief pause? I'm so sorry. This pe- People expect better from us. But I just found out that there is a graphic novel type collection of Spider-Man in which he is shown at the grave of Mary Jane, having discovered that when he got bit by the spider, not only did it give him spider powers, oh, but it also made sperm. all of his well, all of his body fluids, saliva, sperm, blood, presumably pee, poo, uh, wildly radioactive, and he gave her cancer. And yep, he's I heard just, about that like, one. Racked with guilt because he literally had sex with Mary Jane to the point of giving her cancer. And I just like like that that's a thing that someone proposed. That that is a hundred percent an idea where some executive was like, "We need a new twist on this Spider Man." And this like this guy had like twelve great ideas or woman who well, let's be honest, it was a dude. It's comics in that era, and it was just like page after page of like. Spider-Man does this cool thing. Spider-Man does this cool thing. Spider- and the guy's like, Spider-Man's no, not in a city. Yeah. They're like, no, we need we need some of that dark and gritty heat. None of this like blue and red bullshit. We need we need this Spider-Man to be like a real, you know, horrible some life. Alan like, Moore. Some, yeah, like can I get Alan Moore? And the guy's like, I don't I don't know. His his sperm gives Mary Jane cancer and also kills her. And he's like, I love it. I've never loved a thing more in my life. I like that. You're also doing the pantomime for smoking a cigar on an audio yes. medium. <laughs> well, I was making the puff noises. I feel like I made okay, an attempt. That's fair. Anyway, that's a Spider-Man thing that exists that absolutely no human on earth needed. We have now rambled for a good 10 minutes as an introduction for this episode, which is like the number one thing people hate in a podcast, including um, me. Unless you're a fan of the murder one. Okay. Well, in which okay. case, it's 25 to 45 minutes of just like friends rambling and then Look. 15 to 20 of the actual murders. Look, we're not here to clown on other podcasts. What we are here to do is talk about when lovely Miss Jessica Fletcher went on a Hawaiian vacation. That's right. It's the Magnum P.I. Murder She Wrote crossover Magnum She Wrote. Magnum She Wrote. I love it. So you know what that means. We gotta go back. We gotta go dissect the 80s. It's your crossover event of the century. Something's gotta be done about your crossover event of the century. When the mega powers explode. I'm talking about the 80s. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit. 
So many, many moons ago in this show, we did a Magnum PI episode, and it was the first time we got any criticism or information or just input from anyone listening to it that wasn't our mother. And it was a guy who was like super mad that we had done this late series Magnum PI episode. Didn't we pick and like season three, episode 14? No. Yeah. It, I don't think so. Because I think we, I think we looked for something that interested. Us. No, it was definitely. I, I just pulled the review up a second ago, although I've now lost it. But it was, it was a season six episode because this guy was like, universally, that's the like regarded as the worst season of this show. Which I guess they never saw this season, maybe. Um, but uh, he recommended like ten episodes, all of which came in the first three seasons. So we decided we're going to go back to the Magnum PI well. We really made this guy mad. So let's pick a season seven episode when even Tom Selleck was actively like, boy, we're in the shitter ratings wise. And this is a problem. I didn't know all that. I have I don't know the colorful history of Magnum P.I. Did you read that article I sent you? No, I'm sorry. Uh, that's OK. So I there's an article that I found trying to find information about this episode that was uh, People magazine. The article is about the filming of this episode, and the, the the reporter is like on set, and you can tell Angela Lansbury hates Tom Selleck, and she is like really not into it, and she keeps complaining. Like apparently on Murder She Wrote, she was like really hardcore about like it's a twelve hour day max. I want to go home. Like everybody here wants to go home. We're not shooting all night. We're not doing like long days. And on Magnum PI, they were just like, whatever Mr. Selleck wants. So they would, she was like actively being like, I just can't act for more than, I can't be thought like expected to be an actor for more than a 15 hour day. I just don't do this. I cannot do this. And it was just like a lady at her wits I love end. That. It was like, this woman is like, I don't know how old she was, but certainly looked old. It's like she just wants to go home and ha- take a bath. Also, and national treasure. Like she is a theater star, has done film work, extensive film work at this point. Like, to be fair, Selick is definitely the biggest thing on TV for like the first three or four years of Magnum P.I. here. So it's not like, yeah, he's but they're nobody. You said they're they're flailing. And yes, so this is an earlier episode of. This is a season three episode of Murder, She Wrote, and a season seven yes. episode of Magnum. So, yes. like, her star's on the rise, because she's about Indeed. to go for another ten seasons. <laughs> so, she, uh, they, basically, the context of this was, Magnum P.I.'s up, uh, Episode by episode ratings have been going down and Tom Selleck would normally do a movie in the off season. But the season before this one, he like didn't do a movie and like got hands on on Magnum P.I. I was like, we need to save the show, which is like, yeah, of course you get paid to live in Hawaii. Of course you need to save the show. So he just trying green light Beetlejuice goes Hawaiian, bro. Right, right. Uh, real movie idea, real script that exists. Kind of I would, I will, I, we should uh, in the, we should do a funnier die sketch where Tom Selleck tries to appeal to Tim Burton to play Beetlejuice in Beetlejuice yes. Goes Hawaiian. I love it. I love it. Um, yeah. Anyway, so he is uh, like gets real hands on. Get you know gets more involved in the show, I guess, and 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 actively tries to make the show you know keep going. And they do end up doing two more seasons. But Lansbury at this point is the first, I believe. The first woman ever, I'm, I may be quoting this article correctly, but the first woman ever to be the lead on a show that was the number one show on her network. Like Lucy never did that. Uh, and this article Lucy never off. did that? No, she was never the number one show on her network. What was um, the number one at the time? I don't know, but I wasn't going to go. Like, I, there's a limit to how much research I could do. That's just fascinating. Because like, like when I think of like TV, like Lucille Ball was like the original head bitch in charge. That's shocking. Right. But 
I Love Lucy was never the number one show on that network. It might have been a situation where the network has like the three top shows on television and okay. Lucy just wasn't number one. But it's not number one on television. It's number one on her own network. But they rattled That's off fair. like three other actresses who were like name actresses I had heard of that had never like Mary Tyler Moore. Golden Girls never did that. I don't know. But Angela Lansbury, a <laughs> middle-aged at best woman on a like a sleepy detective novel show was the number one show on the network at the time on CBS. So what a I think time that's to be awesome. a woman in your sixties, <laughs> right? Like right. An, except, per, an acting woman in her sixties. Except there's definitely a story that is absolutely about Angela Lansbury. That is the guy who was the head of CBS at the time who definitely forced himself on her uh, and kissed her and was a total shitbird to her. So. Uh, I believe it was Les Moonves, and he can go jump off a bridge. Yes. Yes, he can. All right. Let's start talking about this show. <laughs> so uh, as as I was reminded in reading this bad review, this is a reference to film noir, but Magnum P.I. is big on the voiceover, as is Murder, She Wrote. But the thing that's crazy is – now, I watched – So uh, we both watched the episode on Amazon, and it's definitely the syndication version because of the ending, and we'll get to that in a second, but – I don't know if this is something that they added in syndication or if it was on the first run TV, but if it was on the first run TV, it is completely insane to me because he just explains everything that's about to happen in the episode. Yeah, it's very interesting. I mean, because I know Murder, she- I've seen way more Murder, She Wrote than I have. Mag- I've seen two episodes of Magnum P.I., both for this podcast. Right. I've seen a couple seasons worth of Murder, She Wrote. Sure, sure. Um. And she definitely, I guess it was just a thing in the 80s to be like, tonight on this program, and they would be like, here's a brief 35 to 30 to 30 second to one minute recap of what you're about to see to get you interested. Like an overture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the one on Murder, She Wrote in this episode, and from what I remember, the previous Murder, She Wrote we did is like, a kind of like, um, you know, it'd be like the equivalent of being like, tonight on Murder, She Wrote, Magnum P.I. is in jail, and the only one who can save her hate save him is jessica fletcher whereas the magnum pi voiceover is like three women rolled into town that higgins kind of knows and also is our guests of the master robin masters and then one of them is about to get murdered so magnum is going to get in there and try to solve this murder except there's another person coming who might be solving the case and that's going to cause some tension here so <laughs> stay tuned if you're interested in seeing magnum three women another mystery person and or higgins do stuff see you tonight <laughs> that is fair, because Marisha was like, tonight on Murder, she wrote, my niece is getting married. I wonder what yes. will happen. Exactly. It's like, I get what you're doing here. Magnum P.I., he like lays out the whole thing. But again, that maybe it's Murder, like she wrote gives you thing. the back jacket of the book. Magnum yes. P.I. is the Wikipedia article. <laughs> yes, it's the Cliff's Notes. Or it's like, here's every beat of this episode. Which you'd think would be the end of the episode. Like, you'd think right. it would be, like, the psych, the part in psych where he's like, and here's everything that's happened in the episode so far. Exactly. Um, so we're in the car with Higgins and three ladies, uh, two of them notable for people on this podcast. One yes. is Jessica Walters, the uh, the matriarch of the Bluth family on Arrested Development, as well as five billion other things. Arch, see, I know her more as, Ar- I mean, I know her character from Arrested Development. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I love her on Archer. She's, ugh. She is very excellent on that. Um, and then the mom from Hocus Pocus slash also uh, matriarch of the John Candy family in the great outdoors. I did not know she was in Hocus Pocus. She's also the mom in Mike and Dave need wedding dates. Yeah, and I, I was saw probably, that too. I was probably the only person who was like, 
Hey, that's <laughs> very quick aside in that ballpark. Uh, for my real job recently, I was watching a documentary and it was it was tangentially related to, to my job. And I was like, yeah, this sounds fun. So I was watching it with a bunch of people I work with. And it's narrated by Keith David, who is like a prolific voice actor. But also he was in They Live and in The Thing. Like, I love Keith David. What, what like, would I know him from? Like, I mean, he was also Gus's dad once on Psych, the one who wasn't Ernie Hudson. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but he's like a prolific voice actor. He has three voiceover Emmys that he got doing Ken Burns documentaries, and he's like the the like main protagonist voice in Halo and also in Mass Effect. Like he's a major. Oh. Voice yeah. So and does commercials and all sorts of stuff. So I'm like, he starts talking. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's Keith David. And people are like, huh? What? And I'm like, oh, okay. And so the movie ends and the filmmaker's there and people start like talking about the movie and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yo, how did you get Keith David? That's really cool. And every other person in the room, by the way, I'm the youngest person in this room by five or six years. So it's not even like, oh, he's from a different era. It's like this dude started acting almost a decade before I was born. And, and, and like all of you people were like young people in the eighties and probably went to like, should know who this is. He was in platoon for God's sake. And they're all like looking at me with blank stares. And he's like, it wasn't a very interesting story. He's like, Oh, we, we paid him. Like I thought his voice was good and we paid him. It's like not a cool story, but like everyone in this room is looking at me and like doing that, the visual version of like, Oh, there, there you, you Dorcasaurus, you know who this person is. I'm like, like, he's been in 300 movies. He's got three Emmys. This is not just, like, a weirdo guy. Like, it's not like he's Bruce Campbell. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, Evil Dead. It's like, hello, Platoon. <laughs> like, that movie won Academy Awards or at least was nominated for them. It won someone their fourth Oscar, if I remember the lyrics in Evil Dead the musical correctly. Yeah, like, come on. Anyway, so Higgins is driving these ladies in the car, and a crazy tan beige truck tries to run them off the road. They're all kind of shaken up, but we quickly go to Magnum, who's contemplating investing in a hotel or some property of some sort. This B-plot is... A B-plot that didn't need to be here. (laughs) No, it's like, of all the episodes where you don't need a B-plot, it's the one where you're putting another television show in your television show. That is the B-plot. Like, it already has a B-plot. Yeah, you should have cut out this, brought Jessica in way earlier. Yes! I think it's because Andrew Murder, She Wrote did not have a B-plot. No, and I think it's because Angela Lansbury was like, I'm you gonna have two days. Like, I'm the queen of this network right now, and I have no interest in going to Hawaii. Because I you know they were like, Hey Jessica, how about a Hawaiian vacation? And she's like, I know what it's like to work on set and location. That ain't no vacation, pal. That's not I gotta fly there, work for seven straight days, fly right back home, have no day off, and then and then go back to work. Uh uh-uh, uh, no way. You can have two days and that's what you'll get. Yeah. Or when she was like budgeting it out, she was like, I will give Murder She Wrote four days. Magnum <laughs> PI, you get two. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, so yeah, there's this insane B plot of like a land investment where it's like, one, I don't care about that, and two, I really don't care about that. <laughs> it was so dumb, and it doesn't even go it's not like it resolves and like becomes part of the help. It's just no. like there's a hotel they want to invest in. It's just like Magnum has a lot of connection to his friends. And it's like, hey, I imagine you established that over the previous six and a half years of this television program. I, I don't need you to do this. 
Yeah, well, see, it's also interesting because you would think that for this episode, the one where you, theoretically, you're doing this to get new viewership, you might not, you might kind of ease into who Magnum is, who he knows, the mythos you've established, because your theme song doesn't explain it like Jim and the Holograms. No. But, like, we just go in- it is a bit of a banger, I will say. I do like this theme song. It's real turn. Oh, I do credits, too. But it doesn't. But it's, it's, it doesn't it does explain, not explain the thing. No, no, no. Uh, yeah. We just like go like in media res, balls to the wall. Boom! Here's the plot. I hope you know who Magnum is, as yeah. opposed to like Murder She Wrote, which like let me briefly explain who Magnum is and like what's going on. Yeah, yeah. And they also um, <laughs> have this scene where like the two friends, one of them's TC, and I can't remember the other character's name, but they're barely in this episode. So please don't come after me on the internet for not remembering this detail. And they, like, land a helicopter on the property, and Higgins, rightfully so, is like, yo, you can't just land a helicopter on the lawn. This is, like, a place I take care of. This is not cool. Yeah, Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I will say, I didn't, I don't know if I said this in the previous episode because it's so long ago, but... Higgins really is my favorite part of this, and he actually won an Emmy. His hair is ridiculous. I have a theory, and I'm excited to talk to you about it, so just put a pin in that for one second while I finish this sentence. He actually won an Emmy for his portrayal in this season, and I told, like, just this one episode. I feel like he has multiple Emmys. Well, he won an Emmy this season. I don't know if he won more than one. Oh, wow. This seventh season he won an Emmy for, and I, I totally see it. Like, he is a really enjoyable part of this, especially when he gets all a flutter for Jessica Fletcher. I, I really like it. it. I love old people flirting. <laughs> okay, so, theory time. Um, I don't know if you know this, but the basic gist of Magnum P.I. is this house that he lives in is the house of a guy named Robin Masters. Who, who is a writer. I learned a that smutty, A smutty book writer. Mm-hmm. So he writes, like, lurid novels. And in the show, they had him voiced by uh, Orson Welles. Yes, until he died. And then after he died, or at some point along the way, the writers of the show were like, oh, what if we played with the idea that, like, maybe Higgins is actually this smutty book writer? And so they, like, for the rest of the series, like, even though they had their scenes where, like, Higgins is talking to Robin Masters and is alone in the room. It's just Higgins and a speakerphone, and it's Orson Welles' voice. They were like... We'll retcon and make it so, like, maybe Higgins is the smutty book writer. Shut up. And apparently, spoiler, spoiler, in the last episode, Higgins, like, comes to Selick and he's like, hey, just FYI, I'm Robin Masters. And Selick's like, oh, my God. And then, like, later in the episode, he's like, I was just messing with you. I'm not Robin Masters. And that's how they ended it. They never never answered the question. So here's my theory. Are you aware that there's a condition largely affecting women, but I presumably could affect anybody, where people who pull their hair back really tight all the time? Traction alopecia. Yeah, thank you. I knew you would know the thing. Um, I didn't know about this until like so, a month ago. But alopecia it was, is a thing on its own. That's when your hair yes. naturally falls out. Traction alopecia yes. is it, it predominantly affects like drag queens and ballerinas because mm-hmm. they'll pull their hair so tight that it'll just start falling out. It also happens to little girls who were former little pageant monsters from those TLC shows because because they've saw, always in a top knot. Well, I saw a clip where one of those kids from that program was like air quotes babysitting Kanye West's daughter, and <laughs> all the people were like, "Oh my god, this poor girl's traction alopecia. She doesn't have a five head; she has like a nine head." And it's like clearly it's what happened. So I'm glad you mentioned drag queens because here is my Higgins theory. You Higgins, think Higgins is a queen? 
I do. I think Higgins is the smutty book writer and also a drag queen. And he, cause he clearly like, if he's writing smutty books, he's just like into the scene open for whatever, not a guy who's got any prudish tendencies, much like Miss Jessica Fletcher that we learn later in this crossover event. Oh yeah. I think Higgins has traction alopecia from all of the wigs that he wears. And can you not see Higbones in a like crazy wig and big eyebrows? And then like, he's got those like knee garter socks that men wear. And it's like sort of part of his shtick that he's like, a sort of like a Laura Derny type queen. Uh-huh. He's like got a pith helmet maybe. And like, you know, long truss wig out of the I can definitely helmet. see him as the, like the birdcage 80 style drag queen with like uh-huh. that makeup where it's just a lot of blush, uh-huh. a lot of blush, a lot of uh-huh. lips. And the hair's pulled back real tight. And mm-hmm. he's got this bizarre, it literally looks like they lasered out a chunk. Hair yeah, so if I'm trying, so for the, for people at home who are, Good luck. <laughs> no, I, I think I can. So, like, when someone has the side receding hairline, so they have the like, they have a, a very extreme widow's peak, basically. Yeah. yeah where yeah. their hair cuts back and goes forward, the, but for uh, some reason, his extreme widow's peak has a sharp straight line. Yes, it looks it. like it looks like if you cut a quarter of a pie and took that piece out, that is what his hairline looks like. Yeah, it's very bizarre. Yes, but so my theory is Higgins is a drag queen and. He performs a lot on the island of Hawaii, and he has no hair because of traction alopecia. I can get behind that, especially because Magnum is basically a pair of tall socks away from being a a gay icon. Yes, yes, yes. So that's my Higgins theory. Uh, love to hear anybody else want to chime in. Fire or away. if you if you anyone can think of what Higgins' drag name would be, that is a very good question. It would probably be Robin Masters related, right? Probably. Or like smutty book. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, love to hear you chime in. I can't, I got nothing. I'm not going to like sit here for a minute and try to think of a joke. If it comes to me later. Normally we would, but we can't (laughs) afford the time. Maybe it's like typewriter. Maybe there's typewriter in there somewhere. She's, she has a typewriter or something like that. Anyway, I told you I had nothing. Um, I confess to having nothing and then you drug it out of me. I didn't drag it out of you. So anyway, Jessica Walters and I apologize in advance because it's going to be confusing because I want to say Jessica Walters and Jessica Fletcher. So maybe I I'll try Angela Lansbury. Notes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Jessica Walters immediately try, starts trying to have sex with Magnum, which I think is very on brand for Jessica Walters in all things I've ever seen her in. A hundred percent. And he, Magnum is also in his iconic shorty shorts. Yes. His shorts are so short that at our high school, he would have been sent home because the rule was fingertips. For yeah, but he's a dude. Sh- right. But the, his shorts. So the rule was fingertips for, I remember fingertips for skirts very vividly. I don't yeah. know if that also applied to shorts, but Magnum shorts are below. If his arms are hanging at his sides, they're below, they're above his wrist. <laughs> they're like, where I like, wear my shorts. <laughs> no, they're higher than where you wear your shorts. I don't think so. <laughs> I've seen you more exposed than this only at pride parades. <laughs> It's like the only time I've seen that is like, oh, Andrew must have gone to a pride parade because he's wearing that in public and it's not Halloween. So I have, I, I'm curious. I don't expect you to know the answer. I'm just going to put it into the universe and our mom can answer it. I wonder if Blue Bloods has ever found like a tiny pair of shorts in the attic. <laughs> no, but I bet he's worn a Hawaiian shirt. You don't think they were like, oh, dad, no we're cleaning this out for the uh, police auction or whatever. 
No, but I guarantee you they did a Hawaiian shirt at a barbecue scene. Like I would literally bet a finger that there's a scene of Tom Selleck in a Hawaiian shirt at a barbecue or something on this on that show. I don't think I don't think he has a good enough sense of humor about himself to do the shorts, but I think he would do the the shirt. And I know I'm saying this apropos of absolutely nothing. I don't know jack shit I'm about. Surprised. I would Tom think Selleck. I would think a man who spent seven years in Hawaii wearing like gay Halloween shorts. Eight years, actually. Eight. You're right. Yeah, I don't. I just don't like having seen that show. That like the twelve episodes I've seen over the, my lifetime because that's the only show my mom, our mom, watches. Rather, um, see, we watched it a lot when I was working as a server and a host because if I was like doing a dinner shift, I would have oh, nothing okay. to do in the morning. So mom and I would watch <laughs> Blue Bloods for a couple hours. Yeah, yeah. Um, not my kind of show, but that's fine. But I just you well you would know more than me then I just it doesn't seem like the kind of joke they would do on that show, the Hawaiian shirt I could see. It feels like he would be the stinger. Yeah, like the very end of the episode where like he's been like Mister Sage advice da da da, and they'd be like, and you were you given the same advice when you were with wearing these in Hawaii with mom, and he would like grab them and be like, dinner's over. All right, you know I I could see that version of the joke. I didn't I didn't see it until you spelled it out, but I could see that version of the joke. If I had a sound machine, I would include the clink, clank, clang of uh, utensils on plates. <laughs> yes, that show has so much ambient plate noise. So um, Magnum is back to being pressured for this loan. I don't know, why, again, why this is in this show, but it is. Why we care. So the other two women just, like, take off. One of them has Magnum's Ferrari, and the other one has, like, an Audi. Oh, so or... it's his for Okay. Yes. Because later he was driving car. it, and I was like, how did he get her Ferrari? <laughs> She got his. No. Got it. Yes. Magnum very famously drives a Ferrari. That's like a main thing on this show. Ferrari, shorty shorts, mustache. Yeah. Yep. Hawaiian shirt and Detroit Tigers cap, as we will find out later. Yeah. Which uh, also, the- he never wears that hat in this episode until they plan it as evidence. So it's just good that I knew that from cultural osmosis. No, they he, he was supposed to have worn it when everyone showed up at the thing. I don't remember it, but that's what they said happened. Oh, okay. Um. So the three women, we have the mom from Hocus Pocus. We have Jessica her, her Walters. Her character's name is Amy, by the way. Amy. Uh, Jessica Walters of Archer slash... Um, Arrested Development. Arrested Development. Thank you. And then Pamela Bates, who yes. was a theater performer and ironically replaced Angela Lansbury in the original production of Sweeney Todd. Oh, how about that? I don't think I knew Angela Lansbury was the original Sweeney Toddstress. Yeah, she was the original Mrs. Lovett. It's she's not my favorite Mrs. Lovett because I I think of her as uh, Mrs. Potts and Jessica Fletcher, and I find her way more jovial. Yeah, it's a very different reading. It's not invalid. I like. It's just it's not my favorite. I gotcha. So Magnum tails Amy in his car in a helicopter by helicopter. Yes, <laughs> including a point where he's like they're following this car, and it's all I can think of is the, and again you have to watch Goodfellas because it's become very referential lately but then the the third act of goodfellas there's a sequence where he, he thinks helicopters are chasing him and all i can think of is like this woman definitely thinks this helicopter is chasing her and she probably is having a psychotic break over it where magnum's like maybe get closer yeah, <laughs> yeah like magnum's like get closer and the guy's like no we're in a helicopter like and then it reminds me of something that would be in true lies like the first half the first act of true lies I don't even know if it's true lies. It might be Hot Shots Part Duh. Like this is this is so comical to me. Like 
And then they land the helicopter and he just like strolls out of it. Like, what? This is a real place. You don't get a hot in- dog in the vendor. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? It's a helicopter. So she goes in. Uh, Amy goes into a building, comes out. Someone calls her name and she gets in the Ferrari and speeds off and the guy follows her. And Magnum. So Magnum does a lot of foot chases in this show. He does. He does. Not one of them have the urgency of an actual foot chase. <laughs> Tom Selleck. It's like runs. my gentle walk around my home, around my town. Do you know how I've used this as an example before, so I apologize, but you know how when you're in a crosswalk and you like probably shouldn't have gone, but you went and then a car comes and you do that thing where you like put your head down and move your arms so it looks like you're moving yeah, faster? Yeah, you fake it. Yeah, that's Tom Selleck's run in this entire episode is like head down, shuffling those arms. Yes. I did write that Tom Selleck is daddy AF. <laughs> yeah, no, he is. He is. Uh, I believe the, the kids might call him a snack. Yeah, with two C's. Yes. Uh, not quite Peter Falk and all the marbles, mind you, but <laughs> who can be? It's hard to, it's hard to be that snacky. <laughs> um, um, what exactly the, is a PI's jurisdiction? I think it's, like, probably pretty large. But So, like, how is that illegal? So, most private investigators only get hired to take pictures of, like, cheating spouses. I've like, seen Roger Rabbit. Yeah, that's the majority of work of a PI is like, hey, my wife's cheating on me. Go get pictures for me to have proof so I can divorce her uh, or vice versa. I'm not trying to be gender normative. Um, Magnum is just like constantly solving crimes, Jessica Fletcher style. So I don't know like what re- – like I think a real PI would look at Magnum PI and be like, well, this is all bullshit. Because <laughs> isn't like Dick Tracy also a PI? I don't think so. I think he's just a detective. Because it's in my brain, I have sort of conflated detective and PI. So detective is a cop and private eye is like kind of like a private cop, I guess. But like can't arrest people, but can investigate stuff. I The way that it's used in movies and entertainment, I don't think is a real world analog. Like I don't think you yeah. go hire a private investigator like, oh, I think this crime happened. Let me go to a private investigator. Like that's the thing I think of pure fantasy. But it is very much like a film noir thing of like of all the you know all the offices she could have walked into she walked into mine so this dame at a you know yeah yeah so that is what they're playing with with Magnum I don't know the how okay. true that is yeah so like is is like the quote unquote joke of Magnum PI that like most PIs are like film noir shadowy shady office and he's like in sunny Hawaii yeah I think that's the gimmick huh okay. Like, there's a little more to it than that with, like, there's, like, some past military service stuff, and he's got these pals and whatever, and, like, I don't think if you go watch, like, the Maltese, I've never seen it, but I I imagine if you watch the Maltese Falcon, he's not, like, palling around with three old army buddies, but maybe he is. I don't know. I don't really know. True. Um, The character Pamela also vehemently hates Magnum. Yes. So much so to the point that I was like, is she a recurring character? Like, do they tiff often? Nope, she is. Only on this episode. But, like, literally sees Magnum for the first time and is like, ugh, I hate you. <laughs> well, I think she knows, she sees those shorts and she's like, I know what you're after. I mean, I, but, I, <laughs> I mean, I would be after Tom Selleck. No, I think, I think she's like, ugh, this, this, like, Lothario sexy man, I hate him. Where's my, where's my middle-aged novelist? That's the only person who can solve this crime. Fair. So... Um, Magnum had tried to go to the police. They blew him off. They're like, 
we want there's not a crime here go away and then Pamela wants nothing to do with him and Magnum gets like real crappy about it and this this is a recurring se- bit through these two episodes where it's like Magnum doesn't is like just not cool <laughs> he's like really uptight about the fact that someone's horning in on his territory and it's not very fun to watch yeah it's very bizarre because he if you aren't hired for something technically what you're doing is illegal right yes absolutely because he like breaks into the police guy's um office and pulls evidence and like reports out of bags and folders yeah yeah and in my brain, I was like, why isn't – in my brain, I was like, oh, I guess today you'd be, like, snapping photos with your phone. And back yes. then, you're just like, I have to commit this to memory. Yeah, let me quickly scan and memorize this file. Also, when he pulls up to the police station, he's they show him, like, in the Ferrari, like, drive into a spot. And his head is, like, well above where the roof of the car would be if there was – the convertible top was up. And it was just like I guess this. it's a good thing he lives in Hawaii. <laughs> yes, because it was like the top of the convertible was like a, the top of his ear. Like he had a good two or three inches of noggin <laughs> out the top of this car. And I was like, can I please see the episode where he has the top up and his head is literally like a dome rubbing through the fabric? Please, no. It would be like it would be like the Flintstones when they like yes dino like burst through the roof yes yes tom Selleck would be wearing it like a hat <laughs> and then at this point so i again seen two episodes of of magnum pi and only after this scene like read the wikipedia article to give me the basic gist because all of a sudden he starts talking about like someone's writing a book someone's a publisher someone's an author and i was like yeah yeah why do why why is all of a sudden <laughs> yes if only to bring in murder she wrote but then i real then i read that he lives with a guy who is an author and da 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 And they're guests of the author, and that's yes. the, the women are gay, yeah. Um, so Magnum gets into a shootout. Uh, they, 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 like, are having – oh, wait. Is this when they have lunch? No. No. So this is where he gets her uh, – somehow gets a hold of the woman's prescription that she called that's into right. a pharmacy. Right. Somehow he was able to get a hold of where it was called into it's and deliver to It's a small town, Hawaii. Her. You know, Hawaii, the, the state of Hawaii. It's a small town. You know, there's only one island of Hawaii. Yes, and there's only one pharmacy, so Magnum just knows the guy. Um, So, yeah, he, he, like, confronts her with this information. Then they get into a shootout. They get back to the house, and, by God, that's Jessica Fletcher's music! And she just comes, like, striding down the stairs. But seriously, we're in, like, minute 27 of this episode at this point. Yeah, I don't know. I don't... If if this is your sort of Hail Mary, we're losing viewers, we gotta get people in, why was she not at the top? Minute one, baby. Minute one, she should be in the car. She should be the one, like, immediately getting attacked. Yeah, it should have been her with the women getting run off the road. I'm, I, like I said, I'm convinced that she was like, absolutely not. <laughs> you get two 12-hour days. Yeah, because, like, from her perspective, it's like, it's an extra episode of the show that she would have to do. That, like, it's, it makes the Murder, She Wrote episode count one higher that season like all right you want to pay me i want leading guest star money the big mm-hmm. bucks oh yes and magnum is of course stunned that a woman might be uh in any way involved in solving a crime and so this is he he refers to jessica as an investigator and jessica's like what have they been telling you i am and i'm like jessica <laughs> you i know that you claim you're only an author but like this is one of, I guess, this is like your 60th mystery murder right. you, you solved. You've, you've solved, air quotes meaning committed, 
50 murders at this point. And you're going to solve... Let's see. So this is season three. She did 12 or 13 seasons. So that's yeah. another 200. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like, get out of here with this nonsense. So Higgins walks in and he is immediately smitten with Jessica and he is like just covered with dirt. And then he and Jessica start talking about flowers and they're both extremely knowledgeable at the topic. And it is like the sexual tension of the century for two people with a combined age of 412. Also, does Jessica Fletcher not have a book jacket cover? Oh, you mean like... Because he's like, I didn't know J.B. Fletcher was a woman. Probably a J.K. Uh, Rowling situation. Oh, she didn't have a book, uh, a picture? No, because they wanted to hide the fact that it was a woman. Um, there were no pronouns in the bio either. That's right. You're right. So she, Jessica quickly is like, hey, I'm not a private investigator. How about we let the actual private investigator do this? And Which seems, I have to say, it seems weird for Jessica not to be like, well, why don't we work together? I, I think she's trying to like, I think she instantly gets a read on this guy that she's like, this guy's a prick. I'm going to defer to him. And then eventually I will have solved this and I will just make it make him think he did it. But we will all know that I did it. She's going to like Manchurian. Oh, she's appropriate joke. She's going to Manchurian candidate this. Exactly. Exactly. She's going to like do some things and they're going to be like, oh, my God, Magnum, you solved it. Meanwhile, in the back, Jessica is like pulling the strings. She's like blowing the whistle that cues him up. Yeah. So they go and Higgins is like, let's have lunch. And this is, I genuinely like guffawed at this. My favorite joke. It's it's really funny. Um, The, it's a round table with four seats that you could absolutely squeeze a fifth person into. No problem. Not even like the slightest inconvenience. And instead Magnum is in like this awkward, tiny chair eating off a TV tray. And it's uh, beautiful. Yeah, the the framing of it is fabulous. Like the the joke lands really hard. It's really really great. It's it's just awesome and funny. Yeah, they and they, I love it. I, I'm sure Angela Lansbury requested that she get the she gets to spike like set up that uh that spike. Yes, of like dinner lunch looks lovely, but couldn't we make some room for Magnum? And then the <laughs> camera pans out, and it's like yes. three feet over at the kids' table. And Higgins, by the way, is like, absolutely not. No, there's no room here for Higgins, for, for Magnum. Because he's, like, trying to get close to Jessica. Which I think, like, the move should be like, all right, fine, Jessica, why don't you scooch closer to me? And then he could, like, a- accidentally rub knees with her, you know? Like, exactly. like, old people first base. Exactly. And it's, yeah, it's this weird, like, I guess I guess Higgins and, and Magnum have a sort of, like, frenemy relationship most of the time, is what Wikipedia told me. I I get the impression it's a little more friend who annoys you and a little less frenemy which you know what i mean like a a small distinction but like i think they both enjoy each other and they both in like higgins is always having his nerves gotten on by like magnum's always always getting on his nerves but i think he kind of likes that yeah and this is where i was like i wrote are we sure magnum isn't gay because (laughs) he is just like sitting in the corner like sassy 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 petty 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 yeah um Jessica Walters strolls in with her man candy and she's like, oh, I was on the beach all day. I lost track of time. They're like, that was a day ago. Like what? And she's I wrote I wrote six slut burn, but I can't remember what the burn was now. Oh, the the burn is um, something about clothes. I needed I needed new clothes. I've been wearing these all day. And Pamela is like, oh, you were wearing them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what Um, it was. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. 
But as they're talking, like Magnum sees a shadow of a pistol creeping in around the window and he's like, everybody duck. And then the gun fires like wildly over everyone's head and the person runs away. And it's I was the like, most lethargic duck. Yes. Like shouting of the word duck, action of people ducking and then chasing a gunman. Right. But the gunman is like right there and surely heard him yell duck. Like, wouldn't the gunman just aim lower? Probably. But then the gunman disappears. Right, Magnum, like, runs outside, and there's no trace of them. Blah, blah, B-plot, blah, blah, blah. Oh, well, the part of this that I find crazy is, like, the two dudes are at the land calling Magnum on a cell phone, and it is, like, a literal dump. And they're like, it's great, all these flowers, we need your $10,000. By the way, we already said you would provide it, and we we signed it over for you. And and Magnum is like, well, I'd like to see the land and evaluate the loan. They're like, don't worry about it, click. Yeah. Uh, it's also very, it's very weird for Jessica Fletcher not to be the smartest person in the room because that's how like a hundred percent of Murder, She Wrote operates. Well, she is. No, but like, it's not framed in that way because I'm sure Tom Selleck was like, we are not framing the Magnum episode. No, (laughs) it's, here's the thing. Compare the way Jessica is like framed in Murder, She Wrote where she's the one doing the investigating, she's the one being coy and, like, manipulative, compared to this, where she's, like, she shows up in the last 20 minutes and is like, well, are you sure that's a good idea? I mean, she does this scene, like, right here. She rattles off all these clues that Magnum had not noticed. Although, one of them, maybe it's just an 80s thing, she's like, she said she was on the beach all day, but she had no sunburn. And Magnum's like, yeah, lady, suntan lotion. And she's like... No suntan lotion that's that last that long. And I was like, did they not reapply back then? They were just like one coat and you throw it in the garbage. Or what if she was under an umbrella? Like there are right. options. <laughs> yes. But she's like, oh, she doesn't have a sunburn. So uh, can't possibly be the truth that she sat on the beach all day. <laughs> so they do this little clue rundown conversation. And then it's like, well, there's a hitman after us. But we did get invited to a cocktail party. Let's no, go so to the cocktail No, what happened was Jessica Walters left and went to the party. And they were like, well, we should go get her and bring her home because we might all be in danger. So it was less of like, well, let's go to a party and more of like, let's get slutty Jessica Walters back. Right, right. Um, Jessica Fletcher's in an amazing dress. She, yeah, she has some very nice dresses throughout this. Yeah. And then Pamela in, uh, admits to something that I, I couldn't quite... She she's like is being just real cagey like she won't explain the thing but she's acting super weird and then we get to see Jessica Walters and she's acting super weird and it's like all right I guess we're supposed to be suspicious of these ladies I guess but it's very on the nose if that's the case yeah and like in murder she wrote it's even worse yes it is um so then the gunman sees Magnum and runs is well, wait, well, before that, Magnum mansplains detective work to the greatest murderer of all time, which is just like a really delicious scene for the environment we're in now. Where it's like, oh, really, buddy? Do you really want to tell me how detective work works? Okay, sure. Let I'm me only- let me point you to the stacks of New York Times bestseller lists that I'm on. <laughs> like, I'm only the greatest crime novelist of all time, and according to Tripp's theory, actually a murderer. I'm only Agatha effing Christie. <laughs> right, right. 
Um, but yeah, so shortly after that, Magnum like chases this guy Mayfield, who he thinks is the murderer. It's a very and- slow, lethargic chase. He does do one cool move where he cuts two corners on this pool. And he, oh like, yeah, I love over. that. Yeah, and it was like, all right, you you that was a legit thing you did. Like that was mildly like, dangerous. I, I'm, I'm surprised pre- there wasn't a close up on those on that. Yeah, to to switch it out for the stuntman's feet instead of Selick. No, no, no. I meant to highlight that. Like, oh, look at this. So they have a shootout. Magnum so, shoots him. I'm okay. very confused yes, if this is so, a, like, Star Wars situation. No, I have the shoots. explanation. No, I have the explanation for you. So Magnum shoots this guy. And so if you go on Prime right now, you can buy this episode of Magnum P.I., um, which is, like, the only way to get it. It used to be on Stars, but it isn't anymore. So in the Magnum P.I. episode, he shoots this guy in the chest. The guy falls down. You see the blood. And then the, the episode does, like, a wrap-up where, like, Higgins – goes after Jessica Fletcher and they kind of laugh and that's the end of the episode because it's the syndication version where they're like, okay, we can't have a cliffhanger that ends on a different show. Like we're like, that's not going to work. So they had to film an alternate ending for this that wraps up the story in one episode. But what they did for murder, she wrote is a completely different introduction. So if you're going to, if you're going to go rewatch these, you watch the Magnum episode until the guy gets shot and then switch to murder. She wrote where they will explain that. No, actually the guy got shot in the back and his gun disappeared. Even though the final shot of it in Magnum PI is he's dead to a shot yeah, in the chest what, I, and I holding the gun. The original version. Cause I was like, wait a minute. I, I tried so hard to find the original version of this. And as far as I can tell, it doesn't exist except on the DVD, which I was not going to purchase. No, I'm good. So the Magnum episode ends like they they tell you what happens with this money where Magnum's like, oh, you know, we're going to try and plant some flowers. We think we'll get our money back eventually. Oh, blah, I didn't blah, actually blah. watch the end of the Magnum episode. Yeah. So because you, yeah, you were in a time crunch. So I was like, here's where you can stop watching. Move over to the other one. So in the end of the Magnum one, he um, he ends up buying the crappy land and then. Higgins decides to go to Maine and the episode ends with Magnum like reading Jessica's book on the couch. Hmm. So cut to murder. She wrote and there's a previously on Magnum PI, which is a really funny sentence to hear her say. Yeah. I was like, um, that's interesting. So she recaps it and explains what I would just said there of like Magnum has been framed for murder, which is like a really wild change from what we had just watched. Yeah. I, well, also, these episodes aired four days apart. It wasn't like they were in the same night. Right, right. Which you would think would be the case. Like, you'd think it would be two shows that are on the same night, and you'd be like, oh, we're going to try and sponge off the other one's thing. Yeah, and I always think stuff like that. And apparently, like, you and I just consume television in a totally different way than your average person. Because, like, they're, like... (laughs) There are many people like if you watch if you go look up any television show that you like comedy drama whatever and you go look at the episode ratings like episode by episode there are many many people it seems who just like randomly decide to watch a show where it's like if I'm if I'm into a show I watch episode one through whatever until I get off the train but there's no way I'm missing a week and not going to find it or whatever but like even a show like Supernatural which is in its 14th season will have an episode with like genuinely almost double the ratings of an episode before it and it's no rhyme or reason like it's not a big guest star it's not being cross-promoted it's just like scooby-doo right it's like episode six five hundred thousand people episode seven nine hundred thousand people and it's like well where did those four hundred thousand people come from did you just turn on episode of television just leave it like what is that that's yeah i can't imagine doing that i need to know what's going on right and and i like it just is so antithetical to the way i consume content but like 
I think it's just the thing. And like I was at the movies not that long ago and there was a woman there who was, it was like I had gotten off early and I was like, Oh, I'm going to go catch this like two 30 showing of this movie that I wanted to see. And there was a woman in front of like, I was at the ticket what movie? machine. I don't, it was like a year ago. I don't really oh. remember the movie, but I went to like go watch a movie and I was like getting a ticket from the kiosk. And there was a woman talking to the person selling tickets that was just like, what's starting now and tell me about all these movies and like had just was like, I guess I'll kill two hours at a movie theater. And just like the idea that that is a thing someone would do is so crazy. Was to she me. older? Like maybe 40. That is too young. It's like, like, like it wasn't just like a, it was clearly just, Hey, I've got two hours to kill. Let me go see a movie. Look and at I the think posters. And I think she ended up picking one that had already started. Like it was cr- like the whole inter. I, I stopped and was like awkwardly listening to this uh, this interaction because I was like, "Well, I got five minutes, and I gotta know. I gotta know what she picks." That's insane. So in this version of it, Magnum is being framed for murder, and so, like I said, I think like I will they- cross out all my notes that are like, "Wait a minute, this <laughs> yes. is what I just watched." Yes, got yes, because I was like, "Wait, that's not what happened." That guy got shot in the stomach. Um, I also love, I love Murder, She Wrote's title sequence. It is so like pleasant and jovial. The font is also really delightful. Oh yeah. It's very Agatha Christie. So Magnum has been arrested. The mean captain from the Magnum episode is handling his case personally because he just hates Magnum PI. I assume that he's been on the show before, but I don't know. Um, And then Jessica jumps into his defense of like, well, we heard two shots, blah, blah, blah. Here's some evidence. And the guy's like, yeah, get out of here, lady. The gun's missing. And clearly it was him. And so she goes to do some amateur illegal detective work. Also, this guy, like before Jessica Fletcher leaves, she's like, he Magnum's like, hey, tell Higgins so he can come bail me out. And the guy's like, I don't know if we're going to file that paperwork. And uh, maybe we just will misplace you, too. And I'm like, are you threatening to murder a person in your jail in front of a witness who is not work for you? Because that's a in bad a look. Witness who is a New York Times bestselling author. <laughs> right. Like, right, she's right. basically Twitter verified. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, so more Higgins and Jessica stuff here, which, like I said, like this is the bright spot of this crossover to me is that character hanging out with Jessica Fletcher. I would watch. I want to watch them like have a date. And she goes to investigate where the guy was shot. She's like, I'd like to speak with the man who was hosting the party. And then when they're like, I'll go get him. She like sneaks around, finds things, tries to line up shots. She, she, well, I love her. She like puts her finger up like a finger gun, closes one eye and goes, she's just mouths bang and like cocks her hand back (laughs) and then like looks with her eyes to where the shell casing would have gone and then like finds it. And then immediately, of course, picks it up with her bare hand. Thanks, Jessica. Really good evidence contamination you did there. Well, the police do the same thing later. So yeah, nobody has any chain of uh, authority for any of this evidence. Like everybody get, get, get a lick. Why get a lick? See what it tastes like. And then we get some classic Jessica Fletcher interrogation techniques where it's just like passive aggressive manipulation. Yeah, I love the part where she like very explicitly states she's like, I'm not a prude. Whatever you two want to do in your own time is fine by me. And the guy like it totally throws the guy off for her to like intimate that he slept with Jessica Walters, which is kind of weird. But she does this other really interesting thing, too, where she keeps taking like half a step back and making the guy step forward to, to close the gap. And it, it clearly keeps the opponent of this conversation on edge and out of sorts, which I thought was really cool. I loved I, I love Jessica and the way she handles shit like that. Yeah, I agreed. So she finds this third shell 
casing, whatever. And so, because the police were like, we found two that match Magnum's gun. And she was like, well, here's a third one that's a completely different kind of bullet. So, and the detective's like, nah, but there was no gun, so bye. Regardless, it was there at the scene. Right. He's like, oh, the guy just fires guns on his property for fun. It's fine. Don't worry about it. I also think it's really clever that, and again, this speaks to the fact that I think that they didn't like each other, that Magnum is in jail for mm, 55% of this episode so that they don't have to interact all that much. And when they do, yeah. there's there's literally steel bars separating them. I never thought about that, but you're right. Jessica Flood, uh, Angela Lansbury was definitely like, look, get this dude out of my face. Yeah, exactly. So she gets some info from Magnum and goes to do another interview, and she's interviewing this guy with this enormous desktop computer. And That's outside. Yeah, yeah. It's like you would – I guess the green and black you'd be able to see. All I can think is like, what are you looking at? It's just going to be all glare, pal. But also, no Kindle like, what screen. if it rains? Yeah, no. He must He must, He must. must have several people carry this heavy-ass thing out for him. <laughs> it's and not like, like it's a laptop, right. like an old clunky word processor laptop. Yeah, this thing easily weighs two or three bills. So this dude is like real cagey and Jessica's like, oh, I heard the party was for you. And he's like, no, that's not true. And she's like, oh, that's what what he told me. And then immediately the guy's like, all right, get out of here. And uh, if you know what's good for you, stop snooping around. Get out of Hawaii. This climate doesn't agree with everybody. It's like, dude, you're talking to Dexter. You're going to get dissolved in a vat of lie. What are you thinking? You are talking to Jessica G.D. Fletcher. (laughs) She like snaps a glove on and just strangles him. She'll murder you and then write about it. Yeah. She'll brag about it in a book. She will literally explain in excruciating detail how she dismembered your body and got rid of it. And so she's convinced that, like, well, clearly he fired a gun, but, like, couldn't some have just dropped an additional casing? Right, which is not really how guns work. Because <laughs> I'm like, well, what if some, like, literally anyone could have been like, oh, let me sprinkle, like, if, oh, there was two gunshots fired, let me drop an additional casing from Magnum's gun to make right. it look like he fired twice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess they could just have a casing, but that is not necessarily a thing that you would have. I mean, if you're planning a murder, you plan. Yeah, yeah, I get it. So Jessica's uh, flirting with Higgins, and then uh, Pamela comes in and is like, I'm carrying a present that uh, Amy. Yes, Amy. That Amy asked me to take care of. It's a it's a cookbook. And then they open the package because well- it rattles. <laughs> Well, Jessica, like, Jessica picks it up and she's like, this is really light for a cookbook. And then it rattles. And then they're just like, well, better open this person's thing. She, well, she quips. She's like, must be someone on a diet. Ha ha ha. Shake, shake, shake. And she opens it and it's a case with hinges and a latch. Yes. Lady, <laughs> you work in publishing. Yeah, you would feel You that. know what a book feels like. Yes, Absolutely. And, and also, meanwhile, they've, Higgins has told them that a gun and its accompanying silencer have gone missing from the house. So they're, like, concerned about this turn of events. Yeah. So the uh, – Pamela – no, sorry. Amy comes in and is like, uh, hey, thanks for opening my stuff. That's incredibly rude of you. And she, like, snatches these very expensive jewels away. Jessica goes running after her to talk to her. And they sit down and have this conversation, like, at an outdoor patio of a hotel. With Mai Tais. Is that what it was? Because it was unlike- It looks like a tropical drink. Right, but a Mai Tai, it was like a large hurricane glass that looked like iced tea, and it had a pineapple, a cherry, uh, a, an umbrella handle like wedged into it, and also and a, a huge wheel. orange. Oh, orange, or yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like, what the hell are they drinking? Is it like an iced tea with a pineapple in it? That's a weird drink, isn't it? I don't know. I mean, maybe Hawaii. It's Hawaii. 
I mean, I don't drink iced tea, but I've never seen anyone put a pineapple in it. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, and so I wrote Jessica Fletcher, professional meddler. Yes, indeed. Because the because uh, the mom, Amy, the mom from Hocus Pocus, is like, look, I had an abusive husband, and uh, Pamela helped me get the hell out of there, and now I'm on the lam, and these are the only things I have that are of value. And Jessica's and, like, okay, that's fair. Respect. Yeah. And you meanwhile- didn't murder him like I would have, but hey. <laughs> she, Jessica leads in conspiratorially and is like, I can solve that problem for you for the right price. And she just like picks up one of the earrings and starts rolling it between her fingers. She's like, I might need a co-author on my next novel. <laughs> yeah. Um, the dude just like. credit. Yes. The dude just shows up. Yeah. It's really weird because he, the, her, Amy, Amy's husband shows up and talks to Jessica Walters as though they are familiar with each other. Even right. though Pamela's the one that got her the job to get her away from him. Yes. So I don't understand what we're supposed to be gleaning from all this. But yeah, he's like, oh, a friend told me that they saw you and called me. But it turns out later, like, we find out that Pamela was the one that did it, which is just, like, weird. I don't understand why she would be, like, such a snitch and be like, um, your wife is running around in Hawaii without you. Like, hey, Pamela, maybe there's a reason for that. She, no, Pamela's the one that got her to Hawaii. Right. I know. It's weird that she would then, like, call the husband and be like, I, I did this thing. Yeah. And then Jessica goes to the jail to visit Magnum, and he admits he didn't read her book. He's such a jerk. It's like, she's actively helping you. Why are you being a dick? And he's like, well, I guess you're not that good of a writer because I've solved it. It's the lo- it's the, the psychiatrist. And she's like, well, actually, you're wrong, moron. It's the lawyer. <laughs> yeah. And Magnum is like stunned that a, w- 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 a woman outsmarted him. Uh, and then Jessica Walters is trying to proposition the bellhop <laughs> yes. with money. I let, she's like... I need a massage. She's like, oh, we have actually a really great spa. And she's like, you got nice hands. Here's $20. And the guy's like, <sighs> and then the Jessica Fletcher shows up and he's like, see ya. And does like a Kool-Aid man out the window or the <laughs> bit wall of this place. <laughs> he cannot he get out of this He basically will to be stampedes yes. his way through, Je- through two Jessicas. Yes. There is a this guy shaped hole in this room now. Um, so she finds they- out that, that Jessica Walters is like trying to sell the company and is – uh, that's why she's here to like meet somebody to, to her husband has died recently. She's got, a, she's running the company and doesn't want it anymore. So she's trying to sell it. Meanwhile, they find Jessica goes off to like, I forget what house this is, but they're at this house and Magnum's hat is like left basically on top of the second dead body. And the cop <laughs> is like, see, he left his hat right here. And she's like, that's not very, like, that's a very bad murder for him. Like, I think you're, you're talking about him. Like he's a, the biggest idiot in the world. And he's like, yeah. And smoke. He's not Wiley coyote. He's a right. investigator. Like, what are you talking about? He's literally the most qualified murderer on this Island. And then Jessica Fletcher is drawing a bath. Jessica and Fletcher Magna- in a robe, by the way. Ow, ow, ow. I know. Well, Magna was in a robe earlier, so they had to even the score. <laughs> one and one. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, there's also a very fascinating uh, tape that came out that was like, Angela Lansbury teaches you how to relax. <laughs> and part okay. of it, part is, of like it is take a, a bath. Doobie? Oh. No, it's, she's like... Every morning I like to exercise. And she like shows her like old lady exercises. Uh-huh, and then she's uh-huh. like, I also like to dance. And she shows how she dances. Like <laughs> it's hilarious. And part of it's her taking a bath. So she's like up to her neck in bubbles with her feet out. <laughs> like an old cowboy, basically. Basically. She's basically the guy on uh, friggin' Big Thunder Mountain, but with bubbles. 
it's that it is hilarious, hilarious to see. Yeah, it sounds pretty hilarious. Is that maybe we'll, maybe that'll be a Patreon bonus episode? Maybe I'll have to see if we yeah see what when it came out. <laughs> Relaxation with Angela Lansbury and Trip and Andrew. <laughs> um, and then Magnum goes. My friends call me Thomas, and I was like, No, they don't. They they don't definitely they, call you Magnum? They, they literally everyone here has called you Magnum. You are full of it. And I went. The water is still running. <laughs> Yeah. It's running the whole time they're talking, and it's a yes. good five minutes. Yeah, yeah. And they, they have a nice stinger with that, where he's like, well, I'll let you get to your bath, and Jessica has the, like, oh, shit, and runs out of the room. She obviously doesn't say, oh, shit, it's CBS from 1986. What? Yeah. And then Jessica sees uh, Pamela talking to the guy who organized the party at a luau. And because it's a Hawaii I, episode, so you gotta get a luau in there. I love how overacty guest stars on Murder, She Wrote are. yeah. Because it is like 1910 theater acting for the the people across the street. Like, everything is very apparent. I gotta tell you, if you can get into it, you are gonna love Columbo for the okay. same reason. Okay. I'm five eps deep on Columbo now. There's no, there's no turning back now. And it's not something we're doing for the podcast. You're just doing that. I'm just enjoying watching Columbo. This is just like me <laughs> after a long day at work, having dinner, and watching Peter Fox solve murders. <laughs> Anyways, Jessica sits down and immediately gets to manipulating them both. Yes. Being like, well, you must be certainly upset, Mr. Party Organizer, because you were a part of the whole um, trying to sell the company to that guy. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And she's like, well, Jessica Walters definitely told me that. So I don't, I'm just <laughs> relaying information. I heard it directly from the lady. So gonna go ahead like and she, say you're she's full basically the 1980s version of that kermit sipping lipton tea <laughs> meme yes yes well i heard it from jessica walters but that's none of my business um and then he's like i gotta get out of here and she's like well pamela let me manipulate you into filling out what you know about the situation yeah 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 and pamela gets like very easily manipulated by jessica in this moment yeah and then Jessica's like, well, I better be leaving. I have all the information. I've squeezed all the juice I needed out of you. <laughs> yes, and she just, I'm going to toss you away like the sad rind of this orange. Yeah. And she goes upstairs and there is a very clear spotlight on this broken door jam. Yes. It is it's it like is shadow, so shadow up top, bright spotlight, shadow on the bottom. So yes. that Jessica can put her hand on it and be like. <gasps> and then we go inside and her room has clearly been tossed. Someone's been looking for something. It's Amy's room. And right. Jessica runs to the phone, and then Amy comes in, and she's like, what the hell, Jessica? <laughs> she's like, I just got here. It was like this. She's like, yeah, okay. And then um, Amy's ex-husband or uh, separated husband, whatever, jumps Dollar from the window with a crowbar. Dollar Store James Woods, by the way. Yes, 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 he is. <laughs> he is Dollar Store James Woods. Uh, noted gross monster, James Woods. Uh, and he's just, like, ready to kill them both with a crowbar. And this is, I forgot that Jessica Fletcher stares danger in the face, but almost with, never gets involved directly. With no weapon, no backup, no, she doesn't even have a can of mace. It's just her and her purse. But she doesn't do anything with it. Like, she no. she's ever hit anyone with her purse. <laughs> no. Which, like, you don't, like, I get why that's not in it. Like, I would enjoy it if Jessica Fletcher, like, unloaded on some dude with a brick purse that she carried around just for self-defense. <laughs> but I get why that's not, like, part of the show. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't have minded a, an episode. Like, at least her, like, pretending there's a gun in her purse. Right, right. And then she pulls out, like, a, the guy's on the ground getting handcuffed. And she pulls out, like, a tiny hairspray. And she's like, psst, psst. 
Yeah, yeah. But she just, she does the old, there's someone behind you, and he's like, yeah, I'm going to fall for that lady. Meanwhile, Higgins is creeping in, and they show him do like- Why is Higgins there? Because <laughs> he was trying to get with Jessica. That's true. He was like, oh, I was just in the neighborhood. I thought I'd stop by for a, a Mai Tai. Would you like to join me by the pool, Jessica Fletcher? And they kung fu squabble. Yeah, he literally yells hi-ya, and he has one hand vertical and one hand horizontal and does a chop motion with the vertical hand. It is just the stupidest. It's wonderful. And then, uh, so they, they get him to the ground and they, you know, call the police. Jessica kicks the crowbar away. She helps, finally. Yeah, I thought Jessica was going to crack this dude with the crowbar. I was like, oh, snap. I mean, oh, I no. want that to happen. Yeah, yeah. Like, brain this guy, Jessica. And then they get to the other place and Amy's like, you know what? You're right, Miss Fletcher. They should be in the safe. Why don't you put them in the safe? Bye. Yeah. And she hands her the box, which there's nothing in. And um, that's, then Jessica- wait, that's why Higgins is there. Jessica Walters bailed Magnum out of jail and Higgins was coming to say thank you. That's right. Yes. And then uh, Jessica Walters leaves her room and Jessica Fletcher is like, hey, maid, can you let me into the room? I forgot my key. And I went, oh, and then the the maid pulls out a key. I was like, oh, right. Keys were keys. Yes. Like actual honest to God key. Yeah. And so she sneaks in the room and then Jessica Walters gets like the front desk is like, oh, Jessica Walters, here's the key that you need. And Jessica Walters is like, let me go back upstairs. Yeah. And... There's this really weird frame, and I don't know it's if it's, like... It's so weird! It's so weird! I'm so glad you're going to talk about this. So I don't know if it's the cinematography that, like, if the cinematography is just a, a third, like, omniscient third-person view, or if it's supposed to be what Jessica Walters is seeing, because Jessica Fletcher is standing in front of a mirror. Yes. And Jessica Walters is staring at her, and behind Jessica Walters, reflected in the mirror, is Magnum P.I. Spider-Manning his way across the window. <laughs> yes. Okay. Also, you're not the thing that happens right before this is also insane. Jessica Walters is like confessing the story to to, to Angela Lansbury, and she does this like soap opera from the '50s thing where she's like she puts her hand up on the window frame and like kind of tosses her hair back like. Oh, I can't imagine. And then they do this tight close up where she's like gazing out the window into the middle distance while Magnum is like creeping along to the left and she doesn't notice him there either. And I'm like, what is this weird soap opera shot we've got here? Yeah, I thought that was very, very bizarre. I'm guessing it's because, hey, we only have Jessica Fletcher for the day. Yeah. Well, no, this is her show. I know, but like they were like, "Look, we cannot mess this shot." Like Tom Selleck's not messing this shot up, so we have to construct this in a way that we get as much as possible. Yeah, I think that probably makes sense. And so Jessica Walters turns around, points her gun at Jessica Fletcher, and is like, "I guess I have to kill you now." Yeah. And then Magnum is behind her in the window and just goes, "Put that down," and jumps in the room. Yeah, I thought he was gonna do like a you know a double axe handle off Just the top rope. Her. Yeah, like, drop anything. I think he was afraid if he hit her that she was gonna shoot Jessica Fletcher. Would probably be my thought there. Oh, the but character like, you mean? Got it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but like, just do a jump kick. Yeah, it it that was a lame big move. Yeah, because like, now they're both at gunpoint, and Magnum's like, "Well, the police are on their way." Yeah, and Jessica Walters is like, "You're the one wanted for murder. Why would you call them?" He's like, well, you see, I knew that uh, you would be here, uh, so I called them so they would catch you. And then he wrestles the gun away from her. The cops burst in, and he's like, wait, 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 I can explain. This is what it looks like, because it's the fat cop who's like, Magnum's a murderer. And then Jessica Fletcher's like, 
excuse yourself, Tom Selleck. This yeah. is my show. Uh, also, by the way, you're wearing pants for the first time in two episodes, so it's very distracting that no one can see your thighs. Yeah. And so apparently he didn't call the cops. They just showed up by happenstance. Yeah, yeah. I did not, like, the fact that that's how this worked out is really stupid. Yeah, I didn't understand why that was the thing. And so, so mystery is solved. And there's, like, the two of them walking and talking to each other as, like, Jessica's getting ready to leave. And Higgins is like, got her suitcases. And he's like, oh, I was going to take Jessica to the airport, like, totally screwing with Higgins. Like, he's going to cock block him, which I thought was kind of funny. And like Higgins, that. he, like, forces Higgins to be like, I, I, I think I'm going to take my vacation to Maine. Would you tell me some restaurants? And the the stinger is uh, Magna being like, I won't, if you don't get a, a private investigator's license, I won't buy a typewriter. And he goes to shake her hand and she's like, nah, bruh, high five and puts it out. And they do like a big high five. And that's the end. And honestly, freeze frame. honestly, without that freeze frame, this is kind of because of that freeze frame. It went up a whole a whole notch for me. Oh, yeah. I love the freeze frame. It was. Del- but the fact that it was like Angela Lansbury's character being like, nah, dude, high five. And then they like slap five and she like free, they freeze flame, freeze frame laughing together. Like really old, made this. The only thing that made it better would have been a too slow. Because <laughs> it's a down low. She gives him it, a down she low. Definitely done a too slow. It's right there. It was right there, Jessica. Uh, final thoughts. I mean, I fucking love Murder She Wrote. How does this stack up to your standard Murder She Wrote episode? Um, I like it. It's weird that the that the the setup isn't traditionally Murder She Wrote. That weirds me out. Like it's it's hard to process that, but. Okay. Overall, I love it. I mean, I, I I think my favorite Murder, She Wrote episode, like because it is so banana pants crazy, might be the uh, virtual reality episode. Yeah, I know about that one, but I've not seen it. Like, like of your Murder, She Wrote, is this like a tier one, tier two, tier three? I would say tier two. Okay. It's not the best, but it's not definitely not a bottom of the barrel. Okay. That's good to know. I thought the murder she wrote half of this was more enjoyable. I think I just don't care for Magnum P.I., which is fine. If you like it, it's just not my cup of tea. It's more of an action show. There's not really much crime-solving stuff. And if I'm going to do one of these, I typically like the murdery bits. uh, I agree. The murder-solving bits, rather. So it's not necessarily my cup of tea, but it was enjoyable to watch. It's also not really, as we talked about before, something that happens very often on television anymore. So the novelty of, like, the fact that this was a thing. I wonder why that is. I think it's probably a combination of like cost and also I don't think it actually does the thing you want it to do where it's like get more attention for the other show, right? Like I can't imagine that many Murder, She Wrote people who tuned in to watch suddenly were like, oh, I'll go check out this Magnum P.I. fella or vice versa. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I think I think if the shows were like fairly well connected in the style of their, you know, the, the demographics of their audience and stuff, it would make sense. But like. They're pretty stylistically different, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like one is an action crime show and the other one is like a quiet, cozy mystery show, except people get murdered. Yeah. But yeah, overall, like, enjoyable. We'd been on a really good run of great, enjoyable stuff. This is like a dip back down toward our normal level where it's like a little bit of a slog to get through, but it was still better than average. Once we got to Murder, She Wrote, I was fine. I was sitting pretty. (laughs) Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was fairly enjoyable. I don't think I'll be watching too many more murder. She wrote, there's, there's too many Columbo's I got to watch, but, uh, you know, no, I think, I think Columbo. we'll find some great murder. She wrote for you. Maybe, maybe. I don't know that we'll be going back. We've now done each of these shows twice on this show. And I think that's probably like my cap for, for that. Like, I think, I don't think we need to do that many more episodes of these television shows. I guess never say never, that's but fair. I mean, I, I will want, I want to push for a second golden girls now that we've hit our stride. 
Because <laughs> Golden Girls was one of like the first ten episodes we did. Yeah, no, it was like really early on. Um, so maybe it maybe a Golden Girls down the road when maybe when uh, I'd like that Betty White hits her like three hundredth birthday or whatever she's up to. Down for that? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's that's pretty solid. But yeah, I would say like a light recommend. The Murder She Wrote's are all on Amazon Prime right now. We had to, I had to buy Magnum PI, so I don't know that I would recommend. Yeah, you spending I guess Murder She Wrote what because Murder She Wrote was on Netflix entirely, and now it's switched over to Prime for some reason. Yeah, it just just came on Prime at the beginning of this month, so. Uh, beginning of April, rather. Um, so yeah, thank you all so much for listening to the show. Don't forget to rate and review wherever you get the show. We really appreciate that. We read those on the air and uh, always really appreciate them. So chime in there. You can also get a hold of us on Twitter and on Facebook. It's Dissect the 80s on Twitter and uh, Dissect the 80s on Facebook. And you can always uh, reach us at Dissecting the 80s at gmail.com. So that concludes uh, Absit Moa. Andrew programs the show in the month of <laughs> April. The very easy to say acronym that is not at all confusing. Um, we will return on May 6th with... The sassy sister film to Die Hard, Working Girl. In honor of our mom and Mother's Day, because that's the movie she requested we do. And now we don't have to get her anything for Mother's Day. Love you, Mom. Thank you all very much for listening. I have been Trip Lano. I will always be Andrew Lano. Until May 6th. Don't you forget about me. Dissecting the 80s is a chum sum of this production. Ow.